We'll hear argument first this morning in case 17-1201, Thacker versus the Tennessee Valley Authority. Mr. Rouse. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Congress created the Tennessee Valley Authority as a corporation that could sue and be sued. The TVA Act states, except as otherwise specifically provided in this Act, the corporation may sue and be sued in its corporate name. Nothing in the TVA Act specifically provides the exception that the TVA now urges. Immunity for what it calls discretionary work. And I'm new- sorry. Are you denouncing the existence of a um, core government activity not being immunized? Whether to place a dam or not? No. This, this is, there's two totally separate things. Well, our, our- well they're basically the same which is how far does, if you recognize some core government functions performed by the TVA, how far does that immunity go? Isn't that the question before us? I, I think so. But I, in, in this circumstance, is the conduct at issue is raising a power line out of the water, replacing an electrical conductor. Whatever might be said about deciding where to put a dam or how to to manage the flow of the Tennessee River and to change its course or anything like that, it's this conduct just does not implicate that. Well, I suppose it depends at what level of generality you describe the conduct. Perhaps you're right if you talk about a particular, you know, cable at a particular place. But if you decide, if you dis- describe the, what is at issue is uh, regulating uh, safety along the waterway, then maybe it starts to sound like, like more of the uh, uh, exceptions that were talked about in Burr. And that may. And, when, and I think those exceptions would certainly implicate the Federal Tort Claims Act and the discretionary, uh, discretionary immunity there. But under Burr, I think the, the question begins with the presumption that, that Congress has taken this entity, has created it. It has not made it a new executive department, but it has said it can sue and be sued in its own name. It has cast it aside and said it can fend for itself. We're allowing it to do its own work. We'll give it some powers. Or we're going to withhold others. And so there's got to be some deference to Congress that Congress took these steps. And to just say, well, it performs some functions, it's governmental, and you start making that distinction is the exact error that we think that the lower courts made here. How do you think this is supposed to work? Uh, If we just, if if the court just applies Burr, how is, how is the court supposed to proceed uh, in determining um, whether there is immunity? Look at the — make a case-by-case determination whether the particular claim in that case falls within the, the two uh, categories set out in Burr. So is it consistent with the statutory and constitutional scheme, or more to the point, does is it necessary to have immunity to avoid grave interference with the performance of a governmental function? So un, I think under the test that at least the second prong okay. certainly looks at the specific conduct and issue. And it says, what proof do you have that immunity here is needed? It must, it must be clearly shown that it is necessary to prevent some grave interference with the performance of a governmental function. Not just it may be tougher, it may be harder, or you may have to pay normal tort damages, but what grave interference is present here? Do you think this is this is to be done on a case-by-case basis or a categorical basis? I think that under the second prong, a, a case-by-case basis is 
going to be the more usual result. But onto the first prong, you're looking at, is this the type of suit that is consistent or inconsistent with the statutory or constitutional scheme? In this circumstance, there's no real argument that this case is inconsistent with the statutory scheme. There's no doubt that liability here will somehow mean that TVA can't do its other functions or anything like that. It's not. There is some. Uh, it's, I guess there is some argument on the other side, and I take it that there are a main argument that registered in my mind was where Justice Sotomayor started out, and you reply to that and say, let's do it on a case-by-case basis. Uh, subsequent to Burr, Congress enacted the Federal Tort Claims Act, under the, uh, contains a discretionary exemption, and there's a well-worked-out body of jurisprudence. And so what you're asking us to do is to have each court decide each thing that the TVA and probably a hundred other government agencies with sue-and-be-sued clause does and decide case by case, which is what you said, whether it does or does not fall within the discretionary exemption. That seems to me a very complex, difficult decision that could end up with probably a 100 cases before this Court deciding what this different thing, serving the same purpose, does. Now, that, I think, is at least one argument that I'd like to hear your response to. The Burr test, we believe, is actually much easier to look at for the judiciary than the Federal Tort Claims Act test. The Federal Tort Claims Act test looks at the conduct at issue, whether it looks at statutes and internal policies, and then it asks the court to say, is this the type of conduct that is susceptible to policy analysis? Is this what mm-hmm. the Congress was trying to protect under the FTCA? And I take it if we apply Burr, we have to go case by case and decide whether, for other reasons, it was plainly the purpose of Congress to use sue and be sued clause in a narrow sense. And we have to decide just what you said, case by case. So my question is not whether case by case, but do you do that without reference to the well-worked-out body of discretionary exception law under the FTCA? That's the point. Yes. I mean, you're saying don't use the FTCA, use Burr. <coughs> and I want to know, is that a big difference? And if that is a big difference... Is it case by case? And that's where my question came from. It is a big difference, totally separate. And the Burr test is much easier for the judiciary in its traditional role of, of looking at things that what has Congress enacted. Under the, first, under the first prong of Burr, you're just looking at whether the type of suit, don't have to look anything further than the complaint, what is the challenge conduct? And Burr, look, I'll say try it once more. We started with Justice Sotomayor. They build dams. Well, somebody's hurt during the building of a dam. There are farmers. Their land is flooded by the dam. Their crops might be destroyed. There are many kinds of crops. There are many ways of building dams. There are many arguments for and against deciding whether there's a dam. Okay? What do you want us to do? Look to the FTCA or something different? That's the question that I think you were beginning with, and it seemed I I wanted to follow up because that seems the central issue in the case to me. 
we should look at Burr. And under Burr, the presumption begins with the fact that Congress has launched this entity out. Counsel, let let me (coughs) phrase it slightly differently. Is your argument based on the sue to be um, permission to sue and be sued clause, or is it welded in in part in the fact that the TVA was excluded from the FTCA? I think once you start with that it was excluded, then we have to figure out what applies, right? Correct. And why we should keep the FTCA in when Congress told us not to. Correct? Well, correct. The the Federal Tort Claims Act just does not apply. There's three entities that were excluded from the FTCA. Correct. So how much does your argument rely on the sue-to-be-sued clause um, or or the the exclusion of the TVA? Well, it's a little of both, and it's this Court's precedent. In in Meyer in 1994 — All right. So if it's it's this Court's precedent — then give us a reason addressing Justice Breyer's point, which is the Burr analysis, since by definition it has to involve a case-by-case analysis. I think, but I'm not sure, were you saying that so does the discretionary? Correct. The, the lawsuit is there. The complaint is there. And so, so both of them require a case-by-case analysis. They're both going to require a case-by-case basis. I think well, Justice Breyer is saying, please. That, I'm sorry, that the discretionary policy exemption is less complex than the Burr rule. I believe that, at least for the judiciary's concern, it's, it, it might be more complex in some ways, but less complex in other ways. It might be more complex in that it requires you to take a much deeper look into the facts of the case than Burr. Burr's just looking at, is this the type of suit that was not contemplated by the statute? And so then you look at the statute. You don't have to do anything other than the complaint. That's on step one, but step two? That's on step one. On step two, yeah, there, there needs to be a showing. And the idea is that Congress has launched this entity out. It has made it suable. And so now it has the proof to show, it has the burden to submit proof to show that immunity is needed here. And we don't have that here. Right, but that makes it sound, Mr. Rouse, and I think this is what everybody is getting to, so that you're saying um, in most cases we have the discretionary function exception. And here, with respect to the TVA or other uh, entities like the TVA, we're essentially going to have a discretionary function exception light. We're going to have something where we look to the same concerns, the same animating purposes, but we just have a higher bar. Is that what we're doing, or is it a different inquiry in kind? It is a different inquiry in kind. Well, that's what I'm not getting, because if you, again, focus, as Justice Sotomayor said, on the question of intrusion, impediment of of government operations, it seems like the same inquiry, just a higher standard. So Uh, a higher bar. The Federal Tort Claims Act was by Congress. Congress has never, this court, at least under the Federal Tort Claims Act, has never said as a matter of separation of powers, the discretionary function exception in the Federal Tort Claims Act exists in all areas of law. It's never said that. It actually, the court used very specific language in saying in Varig Airlines, which my friends at the TVA try to draw so many distinctions or so many lessons court in there said Congress, Congress wished to prevent judicial second-guessing. And by fashioning an exception, Congress took steps to handicap, uh, to protect 
the handicap of efficient government operations. Here's what bothers me about this case, and I'll, I'll ask the same question if I have a chance to the assistant to the Solicitor General. The, the TVA does some things that are purely governmental, and it does some things that are pretty much purely commercial. It's a hybrid entity. As to the as to its commercial activities, it's hard to see why a a business should be exempt from tort liability for every discretionary business decision that the business makes. But as to its governmental activities, it's kind of hard to see why the regime should be different from the regime under the Federal Tort Claims Act. Now, under Burr, the Court is supposed to ask, you say, whether it interferes with a governmental function. But I'm not quite sure what is a governmental function when you're talking about a hybrid entity like that. Does it mean something that only the government can do? No. I mean, the the case we're talking about here involves something uh, contractors could do. It's inherent work-a-day labor. Uh, But under under Burr, the the governmental function — I believe it is, it is a, it takes in higher account. It's, it just doesn't concern that. It concerns that the TVA serves much larger purposes and that it can do things and things can be protected under birth, such as, you know, it's, it's economic and it's, uh, regulatory or policy decisions. All of those things can be protected under birth. You see, I, th- I think, Mr. Rouse, what Justice Alito may be offering you is a way out of the difficulty of some of these questions, is that with respect to some of the TVA's functions, we shouldn't be applying something that's sort of like the discretionary function exception, but not really like the discretionary function exception. Rather, we should be applying nothing. With respect to the commercial functions of the TVA, the TVA ought to be treated just like any other Corp- corporate entity. We absolutely think that's the case here. This is this. Is, the TVA is not mandated to do any of the work that was involved here. It is a choice that it makes, and it is a choice that it makes, and it accomplishes that goal without any funding or appropriations from Congress. It's all of its, its activities are completely self-funded, and it just doesn't concern the federal government. Is just not concerned with it at this point. Maybe, go ahead. Maybe in, in historical, in the Depression-era times in the Tennessee Valley during that point in time, but, but now it is doing all of this stuff on its own, without help, without anything like that, and it's making profit, profit that it's not turning back over to the U.S. Treasury. It's operating just as a private corporation. And so we absolutely think that Sorry, there are some functions it does that are governmental. We're trying to get to the dividing line. And Justice Alito said if it's commercial, it should not be um, uh, subject to any exemption. If it's governmental, are you agreeing that it does receive immunity? Only if the TVA shows that it clearly meets one of the Burr problems. All right. So let's assume it does. Um, Where to build a dam? Is that governmental enough for you? I don't know under those circumstances, but I will point the Court to an example um, that the Court has actually considered, and this is a pre-Burr 
case. It's Tennessee Electric Power Company versus TVA and uh, 306 U.S. 118. And in that case, the challenge conduct was the TVA. Somebody sought an in- a private power company sought an injunction against the TVA so that it could not produce or sell power at all. Well, it seems to me that that's really a close question, isn't it? I, I think that under the, those cases, because the court in that Let's case — Let's assume we — on common ground, there are some functions that are governmental. You're unwilling to specify which at the moment. But do you ex- do you agree that there are some functions that may be governmental? There are some functions that may be governmental and so per account. So that's fine. The question before us is what to do about the middle stuff? Or are you saying this is just commercial? And if you're saying it's just commercial, explain ju- the Chief Justice's description of why it might not be just commercial. And how do we draw that line? It's not whether something is commercial or not commercial. I think the commercial activities certainly imply more less immunity, or they imply less immunity. But there's got to be a, some sort of deference that Congress has, what Congress has done, and that Congress has completely stripped this entity of the immunity under this Court's law. This Court has said that these waivers are broad, that they must be liberally construed, that any Exceptions must be narrowly construed. Well, we've you said, held, we've held that the, the immunity has not been completely stripped, right? We've recognized that there are circumstances under which the TVA, as well as these other entities that are carved out of the FTCA, nonetheless have uh, immunity. Y- yes, Mr. Chief Justice, that, that, absolutely, that there are circumstances. But here, in this case, we don't believe, one, that that implicates the kind of immunities under Burr that this Well, maybe we about. need some examples of ones you think are covered. I mean, one of the things the TVA does is regulate flood control in the area. So at a particular moment, it has a choice whether to let more water through, which may damage lower uh, downstream uh, uh, farms, or keep more water back, which might damage upstream farms. Now, if you're downstream and you're uh, uh, injured, uh, can you bring a negligence action against the uh, TVA for that decision? And show, for example, let's just show they, they did the calculations wrong because uh, uh, of pure negligence. Can you bring that action against the FT, uh, against the TVA? I think so. I think that under that action you, you can because, one, you're not talking about the — there's no statutory scheme issue. So flood control is, is something that you can sue the uh, uh, TVA on? There are certain circumstances where absolutely well, I think what, so. What is, give me an example of something you can't sue them on. I think that if I'm a private landowner and I've got land on the right on the banks of the Tennessee River and the TVA wants to exercise some of the power that Congress has given it and being able to use eminent domain to take land to put up power lines, then I can't turn around and sue the TVA and say, no, you can't do that. That is one of those things where no well, Congress you can't has- sue. You can't sue somebody with eminent domain power any time. I mean, if they're giving you — if you if they have eminent domain power, they're paying you for it, so you can't sue them to, to stop it. Or, a, or I guess, a, a negligence action saying, no, you should have put the, the lines — you're going to take my land, you should have taken my neighbor's land and put the lines that way. I don't know that that is something that the statutory scheme here necessarily contemplates. But I do think that Congress — and if you look at the legislative history, Congress, Congress absolutely contemplated tort liability. Part of With, the problem here is figuring out what Burr means. 
to my problem, at least. And you said there's a big difference between Burr and the discretionary function exception. How would you articulate that big difference? We think that Burr accounts for much more. The discretionary function exception only looks at the conduct at issue, the executive conduct at issue. Burr accounts for the other branch of government, Congress, that it has created an entity. Well, that doesn't tell me what the exception means, though. That just describes the situation. So the exceptions would be an inconsistency with the statutory scheme, some some lawsuit that is just not contemplated by this act. It's not allowed. And here we don't have that. There's no argument or even assertion. What about about the second? I'm sorry to interrupt. The second prong, though, grave interference. How do you think about that? I think that their normal tort liability in this case does not implicate the type of governmental conduct that Burr's second prong is written to protect. And are you, just so I understand your argument here, are you asking uh, us to simply hold that the right test is Burr instead of discretionary function and then to remand for application of Burr in the first instance by the Court of Appeals? At, at a minimum. I think at a maximum that we can look What's at, the maximum? Yeah. The maximum is that we can look at this as a 12B1 dismissal. We can take the facts um, as stated in the complaint and the affidavit is true and say, no, this is just not the type of conduct that is inconsistent with the constitutional scheme, because that's really the only element that is at issue here. There was no findings of fact on the grave interference test. The court, lower courts didn't consider it. There's, there was no showing under Burr. The whole issue here is the TVA is trying to couch the constitutional scheme in a separation of powers, and that this court would be violating separation of powers if it were to exercise jurisdiction and even hear the case. That's the only issue. But this court has never looked at separation of powers that way. It, but I think people are actually a little bit more interested in the second prong of, of Burr, which is the interference with government operations. So if you were to answer Justice Kavanaugh's question and say, this is not the conduct that should be immune from suit because, how would you finish the sentence in thinking about the second prong of Burr? Because there's no grave interference. The TVA can raise rates on me, a citizen who lives 30 minutes away from where this happened. I, he can re- raise rates on me as a, one of the 10 million households that it has, it serves power to. It can buy insurance. It's self-funded. It's not like other branches of uh, departments of the government that need congressional appropriations. And three, this is not the kind of conduct. Liability here for raising a downed power line is not the kind of conduct that's going to affect the TVA's ability to go out tomorrow and the next day and every day after that and continue to produce power. It is not the kind of conduct. These facts will not gravely interfere with the TVA's functions. There are no further questions like that. I, I will go back for a second because I think that um, we have a statute TVA exempt from the Federal Tort Claims Act. I thought the government is agreeing with you. Burr does apply. But Burr sometimes says that we have the equivalent of a Federal Tort Claims Act. Sometimes. Okay? Correct. At least. And you agree with that? 
Yes. Okay. So let's go back and see if you have anything else to say. Suppose we wrote this in the opinion. Yes. When the TVA is performing a governmental function, the FTCA does apply, i.e., the discretionary exemption part. But when it is not an acting just like a private business person, it doesn't. Does that satisfy you? And then we leave it to the lower courts to decide which is which. Okay? Suppose we did that. Would that satisfy you? What we have consistently argued in this case is that Burr is the test. And so no, they don't disagree that Burr applies. I think, I think I'm right about that. They don't disagree that there is an exemption from the FTCA. So the problem, I guess, for me is not who's right or wrong, but what are the words that we use to describe when Burr applies and when it doesn't? And that's where I need some help. I may have not analyzed the case yet correctly, but if I have, then I need to know the answer to that question. I don't think there is a line for these entities between commercial and governmental. One is immune, one is not. I think the question is that all of its functions, whatever power it has, whatever it does, each and all of those things may come under birth. You may have the discretionary function test on the FTCA and Burr may reach the same conclusion, but they're different. And its governmental functions here, it may be perfectly amenable to suit and not implicate the constitutional statutory scheme, and there will be no grave interference in its ability to do the work the next day, even its governmental functions. And that also applies for its commercial functions. So making that line, I don't know, is meets Burr. And that one doesn't apply and one does. I think it all can apply, and you can have results with the TVA forces here, and you can have uh, results where nothing happens at all. And it's assumable just like a private entity who might put up a dam. But if there are no further questions, I'd like to reserve my time. Thank you, counsel. Ms. Adams. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. This Court recognized in Burr that a sue-and-be-sued clause need not be read to waive immunity for absolutely everything that the agency could be sued for. It described categories of claims that might not be allowed, notwithstanding a purportedly broad waiver of immunity. Discretionary function immunity, which is grounded in constitutional separation of powers principles and preexisted the enactment of the Federal Tort Claims Act, is precisely the type of immunity that Congress had in mind when that and it would have expected to survive. Is it, though, uh, as Justice uh, Alito pointed out, uh, it is a hybrid entity. It does um, governmental functions and it does commercial functions. You'll have to explain to me why raising a power line is a government function. Every, and I understand there are some private contractors who actually own and operate and sell fuel from dams. If a power line goes down, they have to raise it. Um, Any commercial enterprise that creates a danger has to fix it. That's what businesses do. Whether it's the government running the business or not, what is a governmental discretionary policy having to do with creating a danger in the operation of its business, meaning 
the power line is down, no one's going to say the government is authorized to be negligent in fixing it and harming people. You want to take it to the broader discretion of, do I have one or two men? Do I give this type of warning or that kind of warning? But why does that take it out of a commercial choice? Why does it put it into a government choice? I think that when this act can be both government and business, depending on who the operator is, not because it is the government doing it. I think the larger issue here, Justice Sotomayor, is that the discretionary function immunity historically has never drawn a distinction between governmental functions and commercial functions. It started out — It hasn't, but Congress did with the suit and be sued clause. Well, but Congress also in the Federal Tort Claims Act brought — all sue-and-be-sued agencies except for the TVA. Exactly. It was three agencies that it said are not governed by this. So shouldn't we give meaning to what Congress said? It no, took it out of. I don't — but by doing that, I don't think Congress — the the legislative history of the Federal Tort Claims Act that this Court described in Delahite By the Ferry, way, if it had left it in the FTCA, what additional suits do you think could have been brought, could not have been brought? Meaning, by giving it a sue and to be sued clause, what other activities by the TVA would be subject to suit that would not be subject to sue under the FTCA? Any any of the other exceptions listed in the Federal Tort Claims Act. So the intentional torts exception, for example, TVA doesn't assert immunity from intentional tort claims. It's just the discretionary function exception, which has this unique pedigree in the common law um, leading up to the enactment of the Federal Tort Claims Act that, that TVA asserts in But, Ms. O'Connell, how does that make it any different from all the agencies that are subject to the FTCA? In other words, your brief says over and over again, and you have to say this, because we've said it would be improper simply to engraft the FTCA exception onto agencies that have been excluded from the FTCA in whole or in part. The test that you're giving us would essentially do the exact same thing, wouldn't it? It would exempt the TVA from exactly the same suits that the TVA would be exempted from if the TVA were included in, in the FTCA. In terms of discretionary decision-making, yes, because that's, but that's because the tests under the statute and the tests at common law are coterminous well, with one another. Well, in terms of discretionary decision-making, what, what would be different? I mean, what would be the consequence of the fact that Congress specifically excluded the TVA from the FTCA that's really of any meaning? I know you said that there are some procedural differences in how you bring a suit, but that's really of any meaning to anybody. In terms of of discretionary decisions, there would be no difference. Well, in terms of what would there be a difference? Well, anything else having to do with with the Federal Tort Claims Act. So if, if your question is about why TVA was excluded. No, my question is what's the practical difference, given your position, that the, FT, that the TVA was excluded? What's the difference for the TV, TVA Back. that it was excluded? Well, I think the, the main reasons, and this is described a, a little bit in page 42 Not the reasons. Re- What's the practical consequence well, of being pe- excluded? People that, that would like to sue the TVA back in 1942, the agency would have lost settlement authority at $1,000. Um, the, the people would have to file a suit in federal district court and then negotiate with the attorney general or the U.S. attorney's offices on terms set by Washington, <clears> D.C. <throat> there was a shorter statute of limitations. Um, I think at the time that the FTCA was enacted, 
the TVA and legislators were concerned on the heels of the Depression about subjecting residents of the Tennessee Valley to those types of claims when they had already been interacting with the TVA for about a decade and had come to have certain rights. But discretionary function, the ability to sue TVA for its exercise of discretion in tort claims was not one such right. TVA had been asserting discretionary function immunity in the courts um, even before the FTCA was enacted, and it had been winning. And so at the time TVA was excluded, you know, the legislative history of the FTCA shows that it was Congress's understanding that even if it didn't enact the statutory exception, that courts would have come to the same place by judicial construction, and there's nothing to indicate that the TVA was uniquely outside of Congress's expectation that this common law discretionary function immunity would continue to apply. But, Ms. Adams, I, I'm not sure I followed the separation of powers argument. I mean, I picked up the briefs and I'm reading along and say this is a nice statutory interpretation question, discretionary function. All of a sudden it's a separation of powers case. Who, which powers are, I mean, the Congress is separated from Mr. Thacker's? It's the separation of powers principle that's at play is, is the one that's protected by the discretionary function immunity historically, which is that you don't want courts second-guessing um, the discretionary decisions of the, the executive branch. But, but this wouldn't be unusual, whichever side of the, the uh, case wins. Uh, uh, handling a tort case is we're not intr- intruding upon Congress's functions. That's what we do every day. It, it would be intr- intruding on the, on the executive functions. Well, and but Ms. Adams, on that, um, I, I was stuck where the chief was on, on your brief. And uh, are you arguing, uh, I, I don't take you to be arguing, but I'm not sure, that Congress is unable to waive sovereign immunity? No. So co- Congress could waive even the executive's immunity on discretionary functions. Yes. And, and the question here is just whether, whether you think Congress has done so by enacting a general sue-and-be-sued clause um, with all the, these other indications that Congress understood that discretionary function immunity would I mean, it would be perfectly sensible if Congress wanted to create, say, a cola company because it thought there wasn't sufficient competition in the soft drink industry, a, a true commercial entity that it would allow suit for negligence in those against such an entity so that it has to internalize its costs of operation and compete on equal footing with other private commercial entities. That would be perfectly appropriate in the government's view, I, I take it. Yes. Okay. So why isn't it a strike against your interpretation that you, you would interpret the discretionary function so broad as to not just encompass classic governmental decisions, but – really pretty ministerial commercial activity by the TVA, like raising a power line. If there's something that's a, that's a ministerial decision, that's going to be kicked out under the second prong or under the discretionary function. But, but the, function. Government, the government's not – the government would defend the judgment in this case. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I should go back to this distinction between commercial and governmental activities. So historically, the discretionary function immunity protected both officers and agencies that were engaged in any function, regardless of whether it was commercial or governmental. And so there's been no distinction as this doctrine has developed between those different types of activities. The the distinction seems to be coming from the court's opinion in Burr, um, where the court says it has to be a grave interference with a 
governmental function in order for these exceptions to apply. But we don't read Burr to actually be distinguishing between governmental and commercial activities. Um, it, it used the word governmental, but it didn't contrast it to something else that would be commercial. The issue in that case was whether um, an agency could be sued for garnishment of wages that it owed to an employee. And the court said that's not the type of thing we're talking about. The agency tried to make an argument that if it had to process all these garnishment requests, that would interfere with the so I think your argument is that every discretionary decision that the TVA makes in doing exactly the sort of thing that is done by a private power company uh, is covered by sovereign immunity. Correct. Governmental doesn't is not distinguished from commercial. No. And, and, you know, that's — the TVA, this Court's cases have, have kind of thrown cold water on that distinction between governmental and commercial activities. So TVA is specifically authorized to build power lines, and, you know, that was one of the, the main reasons why it was created in the 1930s, was to bring electricity to this area of the country when uh, commercial power companies would not. So if TVA does uh, — engages in an act of negligence in doing exactly the same thing that — is done every day by, let's say, PEPCO, the TVA is completely immune. If it's a, if it involves the exercise of discretionary judgment, yes. And that's not different Chanel, from other agencies. Can we expect a little more clarity from Congress uh, than that if, um, if, a, if a government wishes to compete in private industry and commercial world? Uh, shouldn't we expect the government to make it clear that it wishes to retain its immunity a little bit more clearly than enacting a statute that says the entity may be sued? I don't, I don't think I mean, so. And he, those but, are the only words we have in the statute. You're asking us to embroider them quite a bit, aren't you? When the Federal Tort Claims Act was enacted, the legislative history shows that Congress understood I'm that. I'm not interested in that, as you know, Ms. No, Adams. Talk know, to me about I, the words. The idea is that Congress brought sue-and-be-sued entities under the scope of the Federal Tort Claims Act, and, and the history shows that its understanding was those entities would have received discretionary function immunity even without the statutory exception. So I don't think Congress ever drew that distinction. And it's not just that PEPCO could put up a power line or something like that, but other government agencies do that, too. The Corps of Engineers, the Bureau of Reclamation, they have the create hydroelectric the, the power. Original, the original, the origin. Go back for a minute because I, I want to see if I understand this. Before the FTCA. And then after the FTCA, I thought by and large, but perhaps not correctly, that the FTCA made it easier for an injured person to sue the government compared to what happened before. Is that right or wrong? That's correct. So if they exempt from the FTCA, that should in general make it harder to sue TVA, not easier. And now we're bringing in an exemption you want to from, from the FTCA, which is not really clear as to what Congress intended. Now, do I have the basic framework correct? No, because while in general yeah. the FTCA was a good thing for people and made it easier for people yeah. to sue the federal government because there was no waiver of immunity before, in the, in the Tennessee Valley specifically, there had been an agency operating there and interacting with people in a variety of different ways for about a decade. Mm. And so the, 
by scooping the, the TVA into the Federal Tort Claims Act, it, it would actually make life harder for those people because, as I explained before, the agency loses settlement authority over $1,000. There's, there's much less discretion in how to settle well, the that's case. That's helpful. That's so, helpful. Yes. There's the other thing I'm not certain about is if you look at the power industry, uh, in selling power to customers, they're mostly government-owned municipalities or loads of government-owned agencies. In transmission, they are, by and large, privately owned but highly regulated, and with a few exceptions, uh, the generation of power is privately owned but highly regulated, with the exception, say, of TVA, which is totally government-owned. All right? Now, I'm not sure what Congress did intend to Agencies, well, they're not agencies. They're private companies, but they're highly regulated companies and they do a specialized task. Or they're governmental companies and, and, uh, they are, uh, uh, run by municipalities. Is there anything that will help me on that? And I do look at the legislative history. Well, I think, I guess the fact that Congress brought sue-and-be-sued agencies generally under the protection of the Federal Tort Claims Act shows that it didn't care what function the agency was performing, whether it was a commercial function or some, as the phrase has been used, core governmental function. They're all scooped up within the scope of the Federal Tort Claims Act. And the legislative history shows that Congress expected that those agencies would be exempted for discretionary decision-making from tort damages, um, even without enacting the statutory exception. But it's, but it's- Ms. O'Connor, if, 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 if I'm a Tennessee resident and I can't sue the TVA for this conduct, for raising a transmission line negligently, what kind of negligence suit can I bring against the TVA? I think the, the typical example when you have these buckets of things that are discretionary versus things that are not, the typical example of something that doesn't fall within the discretionary function exception is you're driving down the road and a TVA truck rear-ends you. Um, that is a, a, is a type of tort that doesn't involve any kind of exercise of discretion. Uh, okay, but with respect to the TVA's actual operations in running a power company, what kind of negligence suit can I bring? Um, I mean, a, a, you know, somebody rear-ending you, it's just it could be a TVA driver, it could be anybody else on the road. The point is, in, in, the, in the functions that are necessary to run a power company, like raising transmission lines, doing all the things that are necessary to run a power line, what could a Tennessee citizen sue the, FD, uh, the TVA for? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that I have any examples from the case law or anything like that, but it would be similar types of things where um, you're, you're walking past and something hits you or something like that, some kind of a, a dis, an action by the agency that didn't involve any discretion in deciding to take a certain action. What is it like if you have, you know, a fence, you should have had a fence along one of the rivers and you don't, and so, you know, a child runs into the river and is harmed? Is that like rear-ending uh, a car? I think under — now, again, this is all on question presented to under which the court did not grant cert, um, but I think under — there's a case, Edwards versus TVA, where somebody tried to make a similar example that they fell into the water near a reservoir and they should, there should have been a warning, and the court said no, that 
the how to warn people about the hazards and the you know the economic decisions that go into where you put the signs and how you warn people and things like that involves an exercise of discretion. One way to look at this case uh, is that the discretionary function exemption does not apply because it's not statutorily provided, but nonetheless Burr applies, and that Burr sets up what seems to me on its face to be a higher bar or a more narrower exception than the discretionary function exception because it uses terms like grave interference with governmental function. What is wrong with looking at the case that way, which would leave figuring out exactly what Burr means either to the Court of Appeals or future elaboration? I I don't think that Burr, Justice Kavanaugh, is meant to be a replacement for the discretionary function test. It's not, Burr was not a discretionary function case. It's not a a test by which you run individual sets of facts through the Burr test and decide whether or not that case can go forward. But if we conclude that you don't have this discretionary function uh, exception because it's not provided in the statute, we're left with Burr, right? I know you, I know you're fighting the premise of the if clause, but if we conclude that, then you're left with Burr. And how do you think Burr should be applied? I think that Burr is what gets you to the point that you say there is a discretionary function exception. So Burr should be a preliminary step before discretionary function test is applied where the court. So you don't do it case by case. You say to not have a discretionary function exception would cause a grave interference with governmental function. That's exactly right. So that's the way that we view Burr. Burr talks in those same terms. So um, Burr asks whether a particular category of cases should be allowed to go forward. It doesn't ask you to run uh, uh, fact patterns through the Burr test case by case. Um, and the question in Burr, again, was whether the, the agency, the Federal Housing Administration, was subject to garnishment. And the, the court analyzed that question on a macro basis, not just whether paying this one um, garnishment order would interfere with the operations if, of the agency. If, if your answer to Justice Kavanaugh is right, that would mean you are engrafting the FTCA exception onto the TVA. An entity that has been specifically excluded from the FTCA. The the idea here is that we're we're not trying to borrow something from the FTCA that we were specifically excluded from. The dis- discretionary function immunity existed at common law and was carried forward into the Federal Tort Claims Act. It, they mirror one another, and the exclusion of TVA from the Federal Tort Claims Act doesn't abrogate that immunity. But that you see existed. what I'm saying, Ms. O'Connell? It's that those are it's you know you can say well we're we're we're, we're formulating the result in a different way. We're not engrafting the FTCA exception. Rather, we're engrafting an exception that the FTCA codified. But it all amounts to the same thing, doesn't it? It all amounts to the, to the idea that TVA gets discretionary function. Immunity. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. I guess the, the question is whether you're taking it from a statute that it's been excluded from, which, we, you know, we completely understand TVA is excluded from the statute. You wouldn't be saying that that 2680A applies. Um, but that immunity was recognized as a matter of common law before the FTCA was enacted, and it's, it's coterminous with the test that's Can I, can I read this to you? Can I read one sentence to you that was just pointed out? to me in Prosser, in page 1053, I didn't know this, it just, was just pointed out, if the city operates a local electric or water company for which fees are charged, this looks very much like private enterprise and is usually considered proprietary. 
For torts committed in these operations, then, the city is usually held liable. So that's contrary to what I was thinking before, but that's what Prosser says. And if you hold local electricity companies owned by the city liable for the distribution of electricity, why shouldn't you hold the TBA liable at least when they're engaged in electricity distribution through wires? I'm, I'm not familiar with that statement from Prosser. I don't know what it's citing to, but, of course, TVA is the federal government that is immune from suit unless Congress waives it. Um, and, and historically, there's never been a distinction drawn between commercial functions and, and governmental functions in terms of applying the, um, the discretionary function immunity. Burr does. Burr itself recognizes that. Burr says that there are some entities that are sued or to be sued that you have to look at differently because they're not functioning merely as government entities. I, I don't so, do you respectfully do you agree I, I, that Burr and the discretionary policy exception overlap in some respects? No. I think that Burr is a preliminary test that you use to see whether a category of claims should be excluded and the agency should get nevertheless get immunity even though there is a general sue-and-be-sued clause. Once you and some of that has to do with governmental functions and the discretion the government has in that area. No. So re- respectfully, I don't think Burr made that distinction. Burr used the word governmental functions, but it was not drawing a distinction between governmental and commercial so you, activities. you totally give up the idea that there's any overlap between the two? You Correct. Think they're I just think totally Burr is a preliminary so test. So if you lose the way Justice Kavanaugh set up the possible loss, Burr controls, you would give up any claim to discretionary function exemption. You would not claim that this interferes with the government because it cabins its discretionary function? Well, we, we just don't think that Burr is applied on a case-by-case case basis wrong, in that way. If we decide you're wrong, are you here going to disavow relying on the discretionary um, exemption in claiming that prong two is not met under Burr? I mean, I guess we would still try to argue that as a category of cases, if you allow — I mean, I think that's the whole application of Burr, is whether — I think the dispute in part is whether you look at Burr um, with respect to categories of cases or on a case-by-case right. basis. But if you, I, I'm, I'm going to try and pin you down just a little bit. Um, let's assume you've lost that argument, okay? I, I, so I, the I, argument I, I've lost is what? Is, that there's is, no is discretionary? Is that Burr is just a categorical question, preliminary question as to whether the discretionary uh, function exception applies. You've lost that, okay? Just, just hypothesis. Um, does the government have any backup argument at all, or is well, that the end of it? I guess and that— I, And I'd really appreciate if it's possible to start with a yes or a no. Yes. I mean, I, I think under Burr we would still say— um, that as a category of claims, um, that it, it would interfere with the with governmental functions or the TVA's functions to allow this category of claims to go forward. And what, by this category of claim, what do you mean? Uh, claims that are uh, tort claims for damages um, for activities that arise from discretionary activities of the executive. Right, so, suppose I think this is a similar question, maybe a little bit different. 
Suppose that I think what we should do is apply Burr. And suppose I think that governmental does not mean commercial, that there's a distinction between the two. How should I proceed after that? Or am I just so far down the wrong road that you have nothing yeah, – there's nothing you can do to help me? <laughs> I think you're pretty far down the wrong road at that point. But I think one other thing that I, I guess I maybe haven't said yet is that if you're looking whether something is, is governmental or commercial, if it's a federal government agency doing it, it is a governmental activity. This Court has said that in a couple of different cases. They're not discretionary function cases, but Federal Land Bank versus the Board of County Commissioners. Oh, sure. Land, federal lands, absolutely. But if, if, if the government were setting up a cola company, um, why should we, with this very limited language before us, which actually seems to go the other way, should we require Congress, if it wishes to assert sovereign immunity, cases of classic commercial conduct, like my cola company, to say so a little more clearly than this. This, after all, being, go ahead and sue us. I think if the, if the court is looking for something in terms of the Coca-Cola company or something that is just a purely commercial function, there may be room in prong two of the actual discretionary function test for that. The discretionary function test itself asks first um, whether this was an act that involved the exercise of discretion, and then second, whether it's grounded in social, economic, or political policy. So maybe the court could well, say, no, well, that would be grounded in political policy, for sure. That's my whole point of my hypothetical. Congress decided that it needed another cola company in the world. We needed one for some reason. We needed another cola company in the world. Um, so there's a political decision there, clearly, when Congress acts to create a, a commercial entity. Well, so I, I don't think that would solve our problem. We need something else. In we? that case, I guess the, the TVA is obviously quite different than a Coca-Cola company putting aside its power generation activities, um, as we've talked about for, for much of the argument, TVA also operates a system of dams on the Tennessee River that often Now, now you're just involve- fighting the hypothetical. Um, uh, I understand you disagree with the hypothetical, but in that hypothetical, shouldn't we ask Congress to be a little clearer if it wants to provide immunity and allow – I mean, actually, what we're talking about is allowing a commercial entity to externalize its costs to the victims of its negligence have to bear the cost – rather than internalize the cost like every other commercial operator has to bear its costs of negligence. That's well, quite an extraordinary thing you're asking for, isn't it? I, I'm not sure it is. This Again, this is a, a government agency that was created to do lots of things to bring um, prosperity to the Tennessee Valley during the Great Depression, and one of those was to bring power and electricity to the region. It's actually statutorily mandated that it offer um, power to the, to the residents of the Tennessee Valley at the lowest cost feasible. Um, so if, you know, if the idea is, well, this is just a typical power company, it should internalize its costs and just raise rates, that, that may even be So you're saying lowest cost feasible means to the extent you can um, uh, deprive individuals harmed by their activities, uh, uh, purely commercial activities, that that counts in trying to keep the costs low. I mean, I think that's an argument. We haven't really rolled out that argument, but it is an argument that's in the statute. And, and again, I would just. I'm not sure you haven't rolled it out. The idea that, that as someone who's harmed and who would otherwise get a recovery from a private entity, but because of the immunity doesn't, I, I, I thought that was the basic idea. 
it interferes with the governmental function to make them pay tort damages. Well, yeah, perhaps that's right. Maybe that's just an additional way of saying that um, it's inconsistent with the statutory scheme to to have TVA paying out damages claims and having the um, the the courts second guess the discretionary de- decisions that TVA is making. But the uh, you're trying to fold the discretionary function uh, exception into the second part of Burr. But is it really the case, I guess one responsibility, is it really the case that you need this broad discretionary function exception in all these kinds of hypothetical cases that have been raised in order to avoid a grave interference with a governmental function, which seems like a high bar set forth in Burr? Yes. I mean, we, again, we think that whether to recognize a discretionary function exception is like what you're applying. And, and Burr is not like a codified statute. It's, a, it's describing general categories of claims that uh, may be excluded from a sue-and-be-sued clause, even though Congress has said the agency could be sued. Um, and, and this is a category of claims that we think anything involving the exercise of discretion, if you permitted suits um, allowing that, that it would interfere with the agency's function. So I think that's what we're asking for here, is for the Court to say that under Burr, TVA gets discretionary function immunity, and then in any individual case, you could apply the discretionary function test to see if the facts of the case meet that well-established immunity. Just on the facts of this case, why would allowing a negligence suit to proceed interfere with important government functions? May I answer? Sure. It's on the facts of this case, you know, the, the petitioners say, well, TVA could continue operating the next day even if they're required to pay out damages to this particular plaintiff. But Burr is not set up to be a case-by-case test. It's looking for categories of cases that should be excluded, just like paying out damages to one individual person whose crops were destroyed by water that was let out of the reservoir wouldn't be a big deal. But as a category of cases, those would interfere with the government's functions. Thank you, Ms. Adams. Uh, Mr. Rouse, you have four minutes remaining. The FTCA and discretionary function analysis just don't apply to Tennessee Valley Authority. Congress hasn't given the Tennessee Valley Authority that immunity. It's just said the Tennessee Valley Authority may be sued, period. And so if the TVA is going to get any immunity at all, it's going to have to meet this court's test. It's going to have to clearly show one of the three things that this court has said is required. It hasn't done that. It didn't do it below, and it's not doing it now. It's instead just trying to smuggle in the discretionary analysis under Burr's constitutional scheme language. It's trying to say, no, it, it would violate separation of powers. But that's not violation of separation of powers. Not here. Nothing here would prevent the executive branch from accomplishing its constitutionally assigned functions or would be the judiciary's impermissible trespass upon the executive or an undertaking. The other sentence in Prosser. For example, activities of police or firefighters, though tortious, are usually considered governmental in the sense that they involve the kind of power expected of government, even if its exercise in the specific case is wrongful, the city is immune as to such activities for this reason. So Prosser seems to distinguish between what's commercial and what's basically governmental. Now, they're legislating in Congress against that background. The words are rather unclear. Why don't we assume it picks up that background, which is where Justice Alito started? 
that there is certainly a, a distinction between governmental work, deciding where to put a dam up, and running new power lines across the line and lifting one up out of the water. There's certainly a distinction in that. Burr accounts for them. Burr accounts for the policy decisions, whether commercial, governmental, it just accounts for the policy decisions that those can be immune, that those should be immune, that it is necessary in some circumstances to give immunity for policy decisions that that contemplate social, economic, or political decisions. That all exists under Burr. But commercial conduct here that is not grounded in any of those things is not protected. It has not been protected by Congress, and the Court shouldn't do it again here. So no further questions. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Counsel. The case is submitted.